Vancouver Tech Podcast. My name is James. And I'm Drew. How's it going, Drew? It's going great. How's it going, James? Pretty great. All right. Pretty great. <laughs> yeah. So we had a pretty uh, interesting week, I guess. How was yours? Pretty awesome. Uh, I got to, I, I started a new job at Invoke, mm-hmm. um, and I've been using a bunch of different tools that I maybe wouldn't have got to explore mm-hmm. um, in, this, in sort of my past position. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been using Ansible, which is awesome. Uh, it's a build tool or a uh, server provisioning tool. It uses SSH to send commands, run tasks. Mm-hmm. It does a whole bunch of other stuff. It can make callouts, run local tasks, all this type of stuff. Yeah. As well as using, uh, I found this thing called Nightwatch.js, mm-hmm. which is a wrapper around Selenium. Yeah. So I started doing some front-end tests. So I have this complicated form, and I every time I have to go through and manually test it, manually test it, I'm like, okay, this is dumb. It's so <laughs> yeah. dumb. I'm going to check out this thing. Uh, I found it just just looking for Selenium uh, uh, things for Node, mm-hmm. and uh, I just found one, and this one's awesome. It has really simple UI. You can have a or really simple API, really fluent. You can just say, click this, mm-hmm. select this thing, uh, put your mouse down, drag this thing. So you can be very straightforward with what you're doing, as well as you can get more complicated with all these callbacks and timeouts and all this other stuff. So I've been playing with those two tools, and uh, it's definitely made my workflow like way faster. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I don't have to keep filling out the same form over and over and over again. Yeah, that's cool. What about yourself? <laughs> um, yeah, I just I've had a pretty good week as well. Been working uh, using a lot of AWS stuff, um, and finally got uh, CI/CD working. Woo. Oh yeah, so that was pretty fun. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So yeah, you were using uh, what was the thing you were using for CI? Shippable, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So how are you finding that? Um, it's fine. I, like I said, I'm I'm not a huge fan of their logo, I guess, <laughs> oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, um, no, but they're it, it, it's right. good. Mm-hmm. Cool. It does what it's supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And let's give a, a special mention to Care Crew. So, have you heard of Care Crew, James? No, I haven't actually. So it's pretty interesting. Um, there's uh, one of their lead developers, I guess Kevin uh, Malakoff. He wrote Knockback and uh, Backbone ORM. Cool. Yeah, and he's also a contributor to MobX. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. It's, uh, actually, I guess an alternative to Redux for React applications. Oh, okay. Seems kind of neat. Um, anyway, so they're actually looking to hire. I think they're looking for um, a lead uh, back-end engineer mm-hmm. and a front-end engineer as well. Yeah. But uh, we'll definitely put the link down there. It looks like a really exciting company. They're in the med tech space. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. Pretty pretty experienced business developers uh, that have experience in the SaaS business. Yeah, it looks like they have a couple jobs here as well as the information all about them, the salaries, the equity, the type of stack that they're hiring for. And it looks like it's all there on their website. So definitely check them out. All right, so we'll make sure to link uh, that down below. So what do you think about um, Joyance being acquired by Samsung? So I actually hadn't heard of this until oh, really? you just mentioned it. Um, so maybe you have some more details. I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, well, it looks like, um, so Samsung, uh, I guess we'll maybe post a link to the, the Wired article on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks like they've made a deal with Joyant. So uh, that'll be, I guess, the um, kind of like an anchor uh, an anchor company using yeah. joyant yeah but they're not going to it, it, from what i read in the article anyway it sounds like um samsung's not going to dominate or change the way joyant's doing things yeah. but rather uh treat it as like um like uh owned by samsung but privately existing i've or heard whatever. i've heard of this approach from samsung before mm-hmm. that they'll buy companies like buy quote unquote but right. they're just really taking a portion of that but they're not uh-huh. really changing it in any way and i think they're letting it run independently because i've heard of them doing that with some other smaller companies 
which uh, for sounds unique pretty, which sounds pretty interesting. Um, yeah. So I I don't know what how this affects Joyant uh, like the the culture I- internally. Yeah. But it seems like maybe it would it won't really. Um, but it's just a huge boon to their industry, and yeah. they're doing some really cool work, I think, as well. I wonder if because Node is uh, is is running against so many different or running on so many different platforms, I wonder if it'll change uh, how they do their support and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. like Joint. Uh, operating independently of Samsung can support whoever they really want. Mm-hmm. But now as they're a Samsung subsidiary in some mm-hmm. way, maybe they are maybe they're gonna change the way that they handle support contracts. Like, oh we're Samsung, so you know you can't take a Sony contract or Microsoft contract. I wonder if that will change at all. That's it. Yeah, it's an interesting yeah. question. I'm not sure. Um, and I mean, like Samsung's such a large corporation as well yeah. that they have their their hands in kind of everything too. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so that's, it'd be kind of interesting. Maybe um, they'll get some deals that they otherwise couldn't through Samsung. I mean, they're mm-hmm. sure there's lots of stuff that they could do for Samsung in terms of supporting their different architectures. They have so much stuff. It's such a giant company. Yeah, um, I guess what I wonder. Uh, so from the article, I hadn't actually, I haven't played around with uh, Smart OS at all. But it just it really looks like um, like Joyant's doing some awesome stuff, uh, mm-hmm. working on very cool things. And I think they're also hiring as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and they they allow remote working, right? Um, I believe they do. Yeah. I think they said something about um, if you have uh, you know a lot of open source contributions or you've had like a history of mm-hmm. um, being able to work well remotely, then um, then that's uh, fine as well. Cool. I'm not sure. You'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, we can link to the joint site as well. Yeah, that but that's pr- that's pretty interesting. So anyway, local local company. Is joint local? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. But they have an office here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Well, I, I haven't been to I haven't been to the joint you, office you, or noticed any joint. You didn't meetups. know that they had? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, really? So um, I know that they do sell a lot of like architecture tools as well as a lot of the core people of Node that really made Node take off. Like mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Dahl, I think, mm-hmm. is the guy who invented Node, um, yeah. as well as uh, Isaac, uh, who invented NPM. They both started at Join, I believe. Um, and then Isaac actually took over Node when, when Ryan left. Oh, so okay. And they both worked at Joint for the longest time. I, I, mm-hmm. I think that's right, if I got my history right. Yeah, it looks like they are based in uh, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's cool. Cool, but opportunity to work in Vancouver yeah. or even remotely. So that's pretty sweet. It is, yeah. Yeah, and we actually got invited to a pretty cool event uh, early last week. So um, that that was kind of yeah. yeah. I was uh, I was a little surprised. So we went to the Microsoft uh, Grand Opening. Yeah, I guess uh, yeah, for their the new excellent center. And I remember walking in, and uh, so we went there. We had to get our guest passes. Got yeah, my guest pass. I was a little bit late, and uh, so my escort brought me to the uh, the elevator. We went up. And then as we came out of the elevator, she's like, oh, yeah, um, and you got to put your bag down here because there's yeah. RCMP with dogs sniffing. Yeah. Like, what? That's, yeah. Wow. And there's um, like crazy glad- <laughs> black vehicles out, out front of uh, yeah. Granville and uh, West Georgia there. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, wow, this is a really corporate event and yeah. environment. Um, not realizing that uh, we were going to get to meet and shake the hand of. The prime, prime minister. minister. Yeah, yeah that, that was pretty, pretty awesome. cool. So, I mean, uh, he was he was there and walking around as yeah. well as Christy Clark, premier of BC, and Gregor Robertson, mayor mm-hmm. of Vancouver, of course. They were both there. Uh, they walked around and demoed some of these Microsoft products as well as checked out the facility. Uh, we were standing in the hallway waiting to uh, view a demo of uh, of Trudeau and uh, one of the blind premiers or legally blind premiers uh, using an, uh, an app they had that would help blind people uh, take pictures of things and then mm-hmm. it would read a sentence out. So he was doing a demo of that and I was just walking down the hall 
we both turned around to make sure we got our handshake in. So that was really awesome. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> so that was nice. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so what what did you think overall of uh, of Microsoft, their office, the yeah. general feel of being there? Well, I think there's a couple of things to comment on. The first thing was definitely the space. It was mm-hmm. it was awesome. It was like a really cool space. They spent like $100 million on this facility and getting it all done and getting mm-hmm. it all set up. So, you know, you could see the value of all these things. Everything was just decked out in like the most amazing technology there. Giant screens, crazy desks, tons of monitors, tons mm-hmm. of TVs. They had like uh, areas for food and and, and like they had like an almost like a lobby sort of area that mm-hmm. was kind of like cafeteria slash kitchen slash like barista center because uh-huh. you could like get order any kind of coffee you wanted. Like every other room had a fridge and a little kitchenette in it. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. The facility was unreal. Um, and then there was also the side of all the technology that they were showing off. So we got to use the HoloLens. There's mm-hmm. videos and pictures of Drew using that. Uh, we got to see some of the products for uh, their sort of intercom. What was the TV, the big TV that we played with with this pen? A Surface Hub. Yeah, the Surface yeah. Hub thing was really cool as well as seeing that uh, that eye vision thing that was actually a demo of, you know, machine learning and then AI's type deep of vision. stuff. Yeah, deep vision. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. So what did you think was the most, what, what do you think was the biggest highlight? Um, For me, I would say that uh, the biggest highlight was um, I was really impressed that there was recognition to the um, to the native people, right? Yeah, you know? and I thought that was really interesting to say. You know, we're meeting here uh, on their territories, so yeah. they had a couple of representatives from I guess Swamish Nation mm. um, and something else. That yeah, I unfortunately, about. I can't. I can't say the names properly, so I won't try. But there was, uh, there's definitely all these press release stuff, and it's all there. There's photos, mm-hmm. there's video. It was on the news, so, um, yeah. so yeah, you can definitely check that out. And we have links to all this stuff. There's photos of the interior as well as some of our own personal photos that we yeah. took of the of the actual demos. And I thought the space was pretty cool. Um, I really liked that. Uh, so something you can't really tell from the outside is that uh, in the inside, there's um, I guess like a little park. Uh, and then there's a few floors that yeah. aren't being used. So what that does is it really, or sorry, not not being used, that are empty space. Yeah. Um, and so what that does is it opens up light yeah. from all sides. Yeah. So no matter awesome. where you are, you have window space and you have light. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. And it made it an awesome little garden underneath, like a nice like area right at the bottom of yeah. that, that sort of like column in the middle of the building that's taken out. Which would be right above, I guess, the top floor of Nordstrom. Yeah, yeah. So, and then below that is the actual new Sony office as well. Yeah. Um. So Microsoft made some cool announcements about hiring up to like 750 people for that office. So I think what they think. said was they have 350 and they yeah. want to double that. So they're looking yeah. to get another 350. Yeah. As um, well as um, they're going to build like some of the games that are coming out are going to be made in that office. So they're actually using that uh, that facility to make some of the latest Microsoft games. Um, I'm not sure if they said that they were making games in that office, but they did say that uh, the next, this year's biggest game from Microsoft will be coming from Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, may, hopefully there'll be more. I mean, that's uh-huh. that's the idea, right? It was, so that was pretty cool, as yeah. well as uh, we talked to some people, or at least some of the employees there, as well as um, like getting involved in the community, or at least seeing them. And I think that they have this whole space on the second floor, or their second floor, sixth floor, whatever it is, uh, for sort of like a, it's almost like a, a round if you know what around is, it's like a big area and there's like a stage. So I'm, I definitely think they're going to have events and stuff there. Mm-hmm. At least we should, uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled for all those type of Microsoft events. But uh, they're definitely hiring. They have an amazing office and uh, they've spent a lot of money making it look cool and, and decking it out with all the cool stuff. So if you're interested in Microsoft and all the different jobs that they'll be hiring for, you should definitely check that out. All right. You ready for meetups around town? All right. Kind of a busy week, it looks like. Yeah. With some cool stuff going on. So let's get started. Get help and zero tech. Yeah, so that's coming up on uh, Monday from four to six at D Central. Uh, if you 
have anything that you want to discuss regarding um, Git, how to mm -hmm. use it, maybe the advanced features uh, of Git, or uh, or Zero Tech, what it is, how to get started with it, um, or just kind of talk with people, then this is a great meetup for that. It's at Decentral uh, every Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. So that's 436 West Pender. Cool. Um, there's this other one coming up at Red Academy. What's that all about, James? Yeah, find your place in tech. So we've talked about this a couple times, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And it's basically about transitioning into the tech ecosystem and the type of different types of jobs that are there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not, some people think tech is just developers and nerds. That's mm -hmm. not quite true. There's a lot of other positions. So definitely if you're thinking of switching into the tech system or tech job, you should definitely check it out. Maybe find a place where your skills are needed. Yeah, it's pretty interesting that you mentioned that. So we went to um, uh, the Microsoft offices, for example. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think that's a tech space. Mm -hmm. But how many of the people there do you think are actually developers? Um, you know, so some yeah. of them might be software developers, some of them might be uh, other areas of creative, mm. some people might be doing sales, some people are doing business, um, customer service, all sorts of things. Even just right? project management, stuff project like that. Project management, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's definitely lots of different stuff. So check that out. Yeah, sounds cool. Um, so then at uh, 6 p.m., we have Agile Vancouver. So this is a um, an evening with Hootsuite. So over at Hootsuite headquarters, uh, number five, East 8th Avenue. It says the event will start promptly at six o'clock. Please make sure that you arrive in time to sign in at the door. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. And then we have a open coffee Tuesday morning. Yeah. So if you uh, if you can get up for it, it's 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. over at Nelson the Seagull, 315 Carroll mm -hmm. Street. Um, so just be ready there for uh, for some coffee and some yeah. talks. It's like startup drinks, but in the morning. That's sort of how they pitch it. And with coffee, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, then we have... Uh, a lunch and learn. So this is uh, at Code Core, 142 West Hastings from 12 to 1. There's going to be um, like pizza and some uh, refreshments. Mm -hmm. And this is from uh, Max. So Max is pretty awesome. And he's currently working over at Mogo. Um, but yeah, he's going to be presenting about um, surviving the front page with Docker. Cool. So the tagline here, uh, in, and it says how to scale up from a single instance to hundreds when your idea becomes viral overnight. Yeah. So I know I, I have that problem all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All those projects viral. going viral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pizza wish, and drinks as well there. So Yeah, but it, this sounds like it should be um, a lot of fun. Max is, uh, Max is great. He's, a, I guess, a senior software engineer at Mogo, and he'll be doing uh, a great presentation. Cool. All right. Another Red Academy. This They have a lot of stuff this week, so uh, get ready for that. Intro to UI design. This mm -hmm. is Tuesday at 6. And that's at the Red Academy office, 1490 West Broadway. So that overlaps the uh, intro to HTML and CSS. So you yeah. can take your choice if you want to go to either of those. Uh, are these paid or free events? They're free. Nice. Just um, come in and check it out. And I guess obviously bring your own laptop. Yeah, if you're interested in doing that. I mean, the UI one, I'm not sure, but bring it just in case. You might want to copy down some links or maybe try out some some different techniques they teach you. Mm-hmm. Then we have the Vancouver Closure Hack Night. Yeah, so this is uh, at 6 p.m. over at CodeCore, 142 West Hastings. Uh, if you're into Closure or you're wanting to get into Closure, um, bring your laptop and get ready to hack away on some Closure. Cool. All right. And then uh, this Vancouver Web Analytics Meetup has a Google Tag Manager crash course. Yeah, so this is over at uh, the Creekside Community Center in False Creek. It's number one athlete's way mm -hmm. from 615 to 845. Kind of interesting times yeah, specific there. Specific hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> know, right. Uh, so yeah, it's, like uh, James said, the Google Tag Manager crash crash course. So what is Google Tag Manager? It's sort of like the um, the UI version of uh, Google Analytics. So in the past, mm -hmm. you'd have to like link this code and and hook up all your JavaScript to fire events for different UI interactions. But Google Tag Manager actually lets you 
do that in a UI, you mm-hmm. actually just target the areas via UI. So you, your page loads and you can basically click the areas that you want to track and the script that's loaded on the page will then listen for those events and try to isolate those elements and track what you're actually tracking mm-hmm. as you set it up in Google Tag Manager. Cool. So that may be a, a kind of interesting event to go and check out because uh, it says in the event, uh, we'll learn how to use Google Tag Manager to implement Google Analytics and track mm-hmm. users on your website yeah. when they view a page, sign up for email, share your like, uh, share or like your content on Facebook or Twitter, download a file, click on a button, and a couple more user actions. So that sounds like a really useful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and it's free. Another cool event from the Unity Games Meetup. Yeah, so this is uh, Vancouver Unity over at VFS Cafe, 390 West Hastings, from 6.15 to 9.30 p.m. Um, and this is uh, th- Tuesday, of course. Would you bring your laptop to this, James? Um, I, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I definitely would. Yeah, there's a speaker as well, and it's a free event, so check it out. Yeah. So, well, that's interesting. If there's a speaker, um, is there going to be any sort of uh, any sort of hacking? So, there's Tim from East Side East Side Games will be talking about creating domain specific languages mm. uh, or scripting languages for Unity. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. And Ava from SFU will be showcasing meant to play uh, class of masked. I'm not sure what that is. I guess uh, the group title's mini games hidden. sounds pretty yeah. interesting. And Iggy from Blackbird Interactive teaches us how to keep the massive amount of state information in a multiplayer RTS game synchronized across a peer-to-peer network. Wow! So it does yeah. sound actually like it's uh, a lot of really interesting talks. Yeah. Um. So maybe you don't need to bring your laptop. It does sound more of like a talk event. Uh. And yeah, but should be pretty awesome. So this is six fifteen uh, on Tuesday. Cool. Then we have another event here, the Van VR event, the yeah. Van VR Talk Series. So this is over at Emily Carr, thirteen ninety nine Johnson Street at seven p.m. Um, and what's this all about, James? Yeah, you do have to RSV on Pick a Tick. I should say that up front, but it's basically a, how to build a virtual world. I guess it's a talk series, but also there's a draw or something like that or a contest. Yeah, and first prize gets a structure sensor and a hundred dollars cash. Second prize gets one hundred and fifty dollars cash, and third gets a hundred dollars cash. Yeah. So sounds like a. a couple hundred dollars in cash uh, prizes, and then the structure sensor. That sounds pretty interesting. There's more details uh, on the Picatech VR, the experience, so we'll have a link down below. Then we have the Traction Conf. So, so yeah, so then hopping over to Wednesday, we do have the Traction Conf so at 1 p.m. This is over at the Sheraton Wall Center. That's mm-hmm. 1088 Burrard. Uh, and what's this all about, James? So this one is over a couple days. It's, I guess, sort of a marketing conference a little bit. Um, I've seen the ads around uh, just, you know, just browsing and stuff like that. I've seen it pop up a few times. Mm-hmm. But essentially, you'll learn all about basically running a, a big website or running a successful website, how to track these different things like the analytics and all that type of stuff, as well as leveraging data to actually make changes. So it sounds mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, there's tons of speakers there. It is a ticketed event. The early birds are gone, I believe, and there's just a regular registration, so be sure to check that out. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, over a two-day period. Yeah, so, so it is a couple of days. So uh, there's also a crazy schedule, so you got to check that out and figure out which one to go to. Yeah, okay, and then we have the Vancouver Linux desktop meetup. Yeah, so this is 4.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. Definitely make sure to uh, bring a laptop or a desktop if you got yeah. one uh, and want to lug it around. Uh, if you're running Linux, if you're interested in running Linux, if you want to talk with people, other people who are... Uh, using Linux, then this is the meetup for you. Yeah, cool. All right, and the Vancouver Plural Site Study Group has the WebGL and 3JS Fundamentals meetup. Yeah, and this is uh, from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. at PNI Digital Media Offices, 100 425 uh, Carroll Street on the first floor there on Wednesday. Cool. Bring your laptop to that and be ready to study WebGL and what? 3JS. And 3JS. Yeah, yes. cool. Then we have the Learn Data Science meetup. 
We sure do. Uh, that's over at SFU Venture Labs Harbor Center, 555 West Hastings, uh, in room 1200 at 6 p.m. Um, so make sure that if you're going to go to this one, you read the uh, paper that they're reading and yeah. be ready to talk about it. Yeah, they always so you probably don't need paper. to bring a laptop. Bring your notes and bring your paper. Um, but, you know. Yeah. Bring your brain. Bring your brain. Bring your science brain. Uh, speaking of which, Brain Station. So you yeah. have the uh, Intro to Digital Marketing. Uh, this is at uh, 1110 Hamilton Street on the fourth floor from 6 to 8. There's a $15 fee uh, if you're interested, and that's an Intro to Digital Marketing. Yeah, cool. So this is actually like a mini course, not necessarily like a demo or anything like that. Not a lecture. It's a course. So that's sure right. Yeah, that. it's, a, it's a course from uh, 6 to 8, uh, and you bring your own laptop as yep. well. Then we also have the Red Academy Sampler Week, another Sampler Week item, the Intro to UX Design. Mm -hmm. And so that's uh, that's a free event, and that's over at Red Academy, uh, the second floor of 1490 West Broadway from 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. uh, also bring your laptop, you think? Uh, maybe, UX yeah, design? definitely. Yeah. You might want to check out some Maybe, of the yeah, definitely. Maybe, definitely. <laughs> okay. Uh, and there's uh, Red Academy also has concurrently with the, uh, the Intro to UX Design, there's another one, an intro to digital marketing analytics. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess choose which one you want to go to. Um, and those are both free events. Yeah. And then there's the Van Swift uh, over at Mobify, uh, 948 Homer Street from mm -hmm. 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. So it looks like we have a lot going on on Wednesday. Yeah, um, definitely. So you got to really choose what you want to go to. But uh, that seems like quite an interesting day. Yeah, so the Van Swift meetup is a WWDC follow-up on what's new in Swift 3. Nice. Okay. And then uh, hopping over to Thursday, the 23rd, um, we have at 4.30 over at Decentral, we have the DDD, CQRS, and ES Practitioners Meetup. Have you ever been out to that? I've been out a couple times, mm -hmm. learned a bunch of stuff, uh, supplying a lot of domain language to my uh, project that I'm working on right now. So it's definitely really useful for that type of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So it, it does sound like uh, it, it will be a great meetup. Uh, I've been to it a couple of times. I'd like to go every time, um, but sometimes I get caught up with uh, with work. And um, anyway, so it's definitely worth it to, to go out there from 4.30 to about 5. There's like some fireside chats talking about uh, domain-driven design, uh, talking about CQRS, talking about uh, events, uh, Sourcing. Event sourcing. Yeah. <laughs> I always uh, say but storming. Also often, but, yeah. uh, and then after that, often an event storming session. Yes. Um, and then uh, break out into groups and do some coding. So that sounds like, a, or it definitely is a worthwhile meetup to attend. If you've got an idea, if you want to talk about it, if you want to get your, your um, sort of event storming session going, mm -hmm. uh, and you want to see what that is, and you want to talk with some uh, some senior developers oh, who yeah. spent a uh, number of years doing this stuff, this would be a great meetup to go to. Cool. And then we have the AWS user group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're talking about Amazon RDS Tech Talks. So this is actually uh, at uh, Amazon. Yeah. And so I I think this is a, a an internal to Amazon uh, Tech Talks. So AWS hosted event. Please RSVP uh, at the Eventbrite slash eAmazon. We'll put, post a link down below. Mm. This is about uh, Amazon Relational Database Service. Uh, and this should be really fun. Um, yeah, it actually uh, ties in really well with our guest next week. Yeah, cool. There's a lot of different people speaking, so definitely check that out. Yeah, and that's from uh, 5 to 6 is registration, eat food, and drink drinks. So mm. I, I like doing that. I like drinking drinks. Yeah, uh, yep. and then there's 6 to 7.30, there's the tech talks, and 7.30 to 9, finish off drinks, <laughs> talk to speakers and engineers. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, there is a note, all the attendees are going to have to sign um, an NDA. Mm -hmm. So... 
Uh, and they, they even said in the meetup, we know this sucks, but it will allow us to cover more interesting topics. That's cool. So that is pretty cool. Yeah, you can um, learn about some secrets. Yeah. Some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Then we have Van Q Thursday at 530. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, over at Trinimbus headquarters, suite 280, 1401 West 8th. Uh, and what's the Van Q all about, James? This one is, what is wrong with test automation? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Van Q's are very well run, uh, very well organized, and yeah. well, very well attended meetup. Uh, and this sounds like a, it'll be a really great talk. Uh, I'd love to go to it. I think this time um, I, I have already registered for the Eventbrite for um, for the Amazon RDS talk. So uh, otherwise, I'd really want to go there. Mm-hmm. Cool. So this is actually, they just have a note here saying that this is a week earlier than usual because of Canada Day long weekend. So, Oh, right. Makes yeah. sense. Okay. And then we have the uh, Drupal meetup at 530 uh, as well. And that's over at Fuse Interactive 301, 395 Railway Street. Are you going to go to that? Um, Maybe. It's pretty close to where the new offices that I'm working at. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. They actually, this is the first meetup I saw that they had veggie options listed clearly in their description. Mm-hmm. So if you go to these events and maybe they don't always think about the veggies there, uh, that there's an option for you. It's actually interesting. So um, I was vegan for a while, and oh, yeah? th- it was really, really hard to find vegan options for things. Yeah. It usually. seems like it's it's more trendy now, so I think it's a little bit easier. What do you think? Um, no. Nah, well, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, sure, it's, it, it is easier than it was in the past mm-hmm. at some time. But um, no, I, I think that people still often confuse uh, vegetarian with vegan right. or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it can be kind of hard. But I rarely see uh, vegan options. But if there are vegetables, for example, then... Then you're safe. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) All right. And another uh, Vancouver Pixel Crafters meetup, how to get into a startup accelerator. So this is like a question that we ask everyone that talks about startup accelerators. How do you get into these things? Uh, You know, what do you need to have? Uh, And it's actually from Ilya Brodsky, friend of the show. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that sounds pretty interesting, um, and I guess it's probably going to be focusing mostly on spring, yes. but we'll see. Um, it, sound, it sounds pretty nice. Uh, this is over at Spring Activator to uh, 11 East Georgia Street, Unit 105, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Cool. All right, and then this one, we have a weekend meetup, Saturday at 10 a.m., the Shopify Weekend Fundamentals. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. This is over at Brain Station, um, so 1110 Hamilton Street, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., uh, looks like it's a full day uh, event and Shopify weekend fundamentals. So who's this targeted for? So it's it, it's targeted for people that are looking to build online stores as well as maybe they offer e-commerce solutions. So maybe you have something like a Magento store and maybe it's too big or not big enough or it's not doing things you want. You can look at Shopify as a solution. Mm-hmm. I've used it a few times and every time I'm absolutely 100% happy with it. It's a great tool. Also a Canadian company. So that's pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it looks like that is uh, oh, and we got our one other one that yeah you've added here as an oddball. Yeah, I found this one. Uh, just the the title threw me off. It's called Symposium on VR Journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a paid event as well, and uh, early bird tickets are sold out. But it seems like a basically a bunch of speakers talking about VR, talking about the different things that VR can do, or even just information about this stuff it's complicated and all these different topics with all these different tools and all these different pieces of hardware mm-hmm. uh, this would be a great breakdown of all those different things so uh it looks interesting cool. and that's kind of um vr journalism uh related so if you're into into blogging into writing about tech and into yeah. vr this would be right up your alley otherwise it might just be an interesting event to check out yeah absolutely i wonder if they're gonna i don't see anything about hardware being here but i i definitely think it'd be an option 
there might be stuff there to check out, actual devices to use. Um, it does say in the event, we will showcase the latest immersive journalism content and ah. technologies on Samsung Gear VR, Oculus Rift, um, Microsoft HoloLens, and the VTC Vive hardware. Awesome, cool. Breakout sessions, an afternoon panel, and a keynote address will cap off the learning portion of the day. Okay, that sounds pretty awesome, especially yeah, if you just want to check out the really VR cool. equipment. <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, and that's our week in meetups. And we're here with our special guest, Kenneth Ockenberg of Microsoft. Welcome, and thanks for being on our podcast, Kenneth. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah. So um, I actually, Kenneth, I met you at the uh, DevTools meetup, uh, I guess a couple months ago now, at mm. uh, at Mobify, and I thought that was really great. You gave uh, a really interesting talk on some of the things that are happening, uh, I guess, in and around the DevTools uh, with IE and also with VS Code. Um, could you maybe tell us a little bit about, maybe a bit of a summary uh, about what you were talking about? Yeah, so so basically I was I was putting together like a DevTools camp meetup mm -hmm. because I just arrived in Vancouver and there wasn't any meetup for, for DevTools people. Yeah. So I was just like, hmm, reaching out to a few people and we ended up doing, doing, doing the meetup down mm -hmm. at the Mobify. And I basically talked a bit about how we think about uh, DevTools in the context of the web that has changed quite dramatically. Yeah. When the web is suddenly about mobile phones running off your HoloLens, those kind of things, uh -huh. then maybe it's time to that we need to rethink the way we do developer tools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is this um, is the DevTools meetup an ongoing meetup? Uh, are you planning That's, to have that was kind of that was kind of the plan. So so <laughs> when I landed and joined Microsoft in January, it's like. Mm -hmm. I needed to to like we needed to like kind of the feeling was like I want to create a community where we can discuss tooling because I think as web yeah. developers tooling is what we care about is what we do every day. Right. So I reached out to like Jeff from from Mozilla because yeah. Mozilla is in town too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like we should do something because Jeff uh -huh. used to be the PM on, on Firefox Dev Tools. Uh -huh. So now now it's, it's Brian a, a different guy. So mm -hmm. we we sat down and it's like. Maybe we should do something together, like yeah. Yeah. especially like also like Microsoft and Mozilla was kind uh -huh. of a, it's a weird mix, yeah. right. at least at least in the it's old cool. world. Yeah. Um. So we decided to do like the Div DevTools camp thing, and then maybe it's gonna be a recurring thing. Like right. we haven't actually discussed that. <laughs> right That's now, funny. I'm paying like eleven bucks a month a meetup. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> well, we got a fancy new office to hold the meetup. At yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, I thought um I really enjoyed the meetup. Anyway, I thought it was great. It was very well presented. Uh, you and Brian, I guess as well, both gave uh presentations. I thought that that's cool. It seems like um, so for the for the Mozilla team, uh, I think they're writing their dev tools in React, and that's something I could see happening at a meetup. Um, let's fix some bugs or let's contribute to this open source stuff. Uh, what about with some of the stuff that you're working on? Um, do you have open source contributions? Or? Yeah. So at the, this point in time, like the F12 tools, or like we kind of refer them now as like edge dev tools, mm -hmm. is basically built on on the VIP, on the VIP stack. We have our mm -hmm. own proprietary frameworks, but right. The main reason for why we haven't open sourced them mm -hmm. uh, is because right now they can only run inside a specific build of Edge that is <laughs> oh. not that is that is not open sourced. Right. Right. So, so so like we cannot like really open source it and say ta-da because no one can actually really contribute, <laughs> which wouldn't make make much sense. But it's at least mm -hmm. something we're thinking about yep. because it does make like I'm not sure it makes sense that it's only us that contributes to the tools that so many people use. Mm -hmm. So we would love to get into a position eventually where mm -hmm. we can, uh, can can do the same. Right. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds really cool. It does. Um, so you also talked about, um, I guess, uh, VS Code and integrating with uh, some of the dev tools. Yeah. And I believe the at the time um, there was an add-on or extension for Chrome. Uh, and so this worked well with Chrome, but maybe support for other browsers uh, is coming at some point. Yeah. So 
I think when, when was the meetup? Was that back in February or March or something? Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. it was a while. Back. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a while ago, no. Like yeah. uh, at that time, we had just released our our Chrome debugger for VS mm-hmm. Code that enables you to do script debugging. So you can set mm-hmm. your breakpoints in JavaScript. Right. You connect it to Chrome, and then every time you just the place where you write your code inside the editor, you set your breakpoint and you debug inside the editor. Um, oh, cool. and, and, that, awesome. and that was a bit mm-hmm. of an experiment to see like if people wanted it and right. and it, it's actually been hugely popular so like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a third most popular extension for vs code oh, yeah. after after c sharp and uh-huh. python uh, <laughs> yeah so so people really really want that integrated experience mm-hmm. so a few months ago we released our edge debugger for edge if you if you need to target edge and mm-hmm. i also know there's an, a debugger for firefox available for vs code mm-hmm. so across all the major browsers there is actually like an integrated script debugger available right um, um, and going forward, right now we're in the middle of thinking if it makes sense to extend extend the the integrated experience, or maybe mm-hmm. we should do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe pull the dev tools out of the browser. Maybe make the dev tools we provide work with other browsers. Mm-hmm. We're basically like in this experimental phase to to figure out what makes sense. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So if you pull the dev tools out of the browser, um, what would that what would that look like? What would that become? So I think Chrome actually does that already, right? Like you can run an instance of the dev tools outside of Chrome itself. Um, and you can actually, because it's a self-contained project, you can also pick little pieces. So something I've seen people do is like use Chrome to debug like a remote device. Mm-hmm. Like maybe debug uh, a phone that's plugged in and it actually just runs off a port. And you can already do that with Chrome to Chrome. But you mm. can debug other browsers by just using some sort of proxy because I guess there's some sort of protocol for debugging or something. Totally, yeah. yeah. Um, no, like uh, actually if- uh, more than a year ago, I did an experiment where I took that like, mm-hmm. Chrome DevTools because it's just Chromium, mm-hmm. and I wrapped it up with Electron to do a standalone app, so mm-hmm. Chrome DevTools app, mm-hmm. which you can install. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was basically like the first experiment of like figuring out conceptually if it would make sense to have a have a desktop app that is mm-hmm. just the tools. Yeah. Right. Um, and like right now, yeah, you you can connect, take the Chrome DevTools front end or any other tool mm-hmm. like the VS Code Chrome debugger right. and connect it to Chrome. You mm-hmm. can also connect it to iOS via proxy. You can mm-hmm. connect it to Edge via an Edge Diagnostics adapter. Cool. Uh, mm-hmm. And right now, the, the, like, the only browser that's missing out is actually Firefox that mm-hmm. has still their own proprietary protocol. Yeah. But the whole point here is like, that's interesting. like kind of what we are exploring right now at Microsoft what if we could write one tool that would work with multiple browsers? Right. And what what what, what would that do to the tooling experience? And would yeah. that be platform dependent? Yeah, like like I think right now if you think about tooling in general, right uh-huh. now when you open up Chrome, you uh-huh. right click, you say inspect element, you yeah. kind of only ex- assumes that it works with Chrome. Uh-huh. You open up Edge, you do the same. You uh-huh. do the same with Firefox. Yeah. Right. And kind of like. This is basically what we're taking a step back. It's like, hmm, is it is really the right experience that you use like four different tools every day mm-hmm. because you need to target like a broad variety yeah. of, 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 of platforms. It's not right. like you open up a specific editor for CSS and then you open up another edi- editor for JavaScript. Right, that's um, a good point. So, so like, I, I think I think it's worth exploring. So, so would th- would there also be or and has there been any discussion on uh, kind of defining a, a standard set of tools for? Uh, DevTools? Yeah, so so basically I've been championing the community for a project called Remote Debug that is mm-hmm. about unifying the remote debugging interfaces to our mm-hmm. browsers. Right. So the whole point is that what what can we do with tools if mm-hmm. we suddenly had or if we had a common interface to our browsers? Everything right. that runs inside the browser is standardized. We have a spec for HTML, JavaScript, etc. Mm-hmm. But the way that our tools right now talk to the to the runtime is not standardized. It's a mm-hmm. proprietary protocol that's specific for each browser. Mm-hmm. It's because 
what if the community could write the perfect reactive tools kind of thing mm -hmm. and the community co could contribute to what that experience should be mm -hmm. and it could connect to all the different browsers because there's a standardized interface. Right. I think that could be an interesting position because in general, if you look at like the div tools that are provided today, it's maybe like 30 engineers in the world mm -hmm. that provides all the tools that all the developers are dependent on. Wow. So like it's... Is that uh, like, across all the browsers? Yeah, across all the browsers. Wow. It's like it's relatively small many, yeah. teams yeah. Uh, doing all the dev tools. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is, is that a sustainable situation we're in? Mm -hmm. With yeah. so many people building for the web, I would much rather see like the community to be able to contribute to the tools. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure if you're if you're familiar with the, the statistics on it, but um, what about for something like uh, like Chromium or, uh, or Mozilla's Firefox uh, or maybe even Opera, uh, where you have open source projects and p potential for you know, open source contributions, um, as you said, about 30 devs, does that number hold true in the open source community? Well, like, in terms of, like, I'm not familiar with how many contributions that, that Chrome is accepting on Chromium. Right. At least on the edge side, we don't because it's not <laughs> open source. Right. Um, Mozilla, like, they're opening up and say, hey, there's a few bugs that need to be fixed, etc. Mm -hmm. But at least what I've been told is that it's really hard to contribute to Chrome DevTool, for example, mm -hmm. because it's on the Chromium repo with their own PR policies. It's not on GitHub. Right. It's a mirror on GitHub, so you cannot really contribute easily. Oh, okay. So so it's still like the majority of the mm -hmm. Chrome team contributing. And then there's mm -hmm. a few open source projects that have been basically been taking Chrome DevTools and try to repackage them in different ways. Mm -hmm. yeah. I've been doing a few, a few of those experiments. So it's like right now we're not seeing the community contributing back to the DevTools. It's mm -hmm. mainly the, the DevTools teams and the PMs and engineers adding new features and stuff. Right. We're seeing the community contribute with extensions, for example, mm -hmm. for Chrome or Firefox, that you can use uh, install like Batarang, Angular, or React mm -hmm. yeah. tools, those kind of things. Yeah, I have a couple of those for different yeah. frameworks. Yeah, yeah. Which, which kind of makes sense. Um, but what in general, what I would like to see the, uh, us in the industry move towards to is like, I would like us to have like a much more modular dev tool. Mm -hmm. because So that, that sounds yeah. like a really... Um, I guess ambitious on one hand, but a really fantastic project uh, to work on. Um, do you see that kind of uh, the initiative of bringing, I guess, different uh, different browsers, um, different maybe a committee of people representing uh, the different browsers together, and or maybe even integrating that somehow with the DevTools meetup, where you know the 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 committee meets the community. Yeah, in, that, in that, that that was actually the, the whole point of starting the the DevTools camp meetup was mm -hmm. like, what if we can get the, the the dev tool vendors, the teams that are actually building the tool into the same room, and we can right. have conversations like just to discuss the future, but also what if there's suddenly an awesome community contributor tool? Maybe we're right. going to integrate that. Basically, just have a conversation and have a forum. Mm -hmm. Because I think tooling is so important for for us web developers, mm -hmm. and we take it for granted that this stuff just works and this, <laughs> yeah. this just grows. But yeah. it's actually a lot of work, and it's actually quite a limited amount of people that is, that is working on it. So. Mm -hmm. I could imagine us doing a DevTools camp in Vancouver, mm -hmm. continue to do that. Maybe we could do it other places. Right. Uh, that was like the why the the camp name. Uh, mm -hmm. It could it could be cool to discuss tooling in a more like community kind of sense. Yeah. yeah. Because right now it's like every vendor is out of the conference saying, ta-da, this is the new mm -hmm. thing. Like we, we really don't discuss it internally. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to even see things, um, you know, personally, I like a lot of more hands-on sort of things sometimes. Um, I did really like the uh, the presentations, but I'd also like to see something like, uh, let's contribute. Let's totally. actually get something going. Where do we start? Mm. Um, and and maybe kickoffs of, you know, like, uh, let's hack on something tonight. Yeah, absolutely. No, but like, yeah, I, I think that could be, be, be really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but like, now I work for Microsoft. I'm a PM at Microsoft. So I'm responsible for, for tooling. Right. Um, 
But my personal opinion is like I think it's it's not beneficial for the broader bit community that each vendor is having their own tool. Mm-hmm. I would much rather see that like the majority, like Chrome, Mozilla, Apple, etc., actually contribute to, to, mm-hmm. to the same thing. So, so yeah. it's yeah, it's a really interesting idea. Um, one of the things that was brought up, I guess, during the dev tooling meeting, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was you know some uh, some of the dev tools do actually. Uh, do better jobs of some things, yeah. right? Um, like they're not all the same. And uh, sometimes you might be troubleshooting a problem uh, using Chrome's dev tools. And you're like, well, you know, it took me like, it'll take me an hour to find this that it might take me 10 seconds to find uh, in Mozilla's dev tools mm. or maybe in Edge's dev tools um, and vice versa. So, uh, so, so I guess having that unified set of we need these features, we need these tools would be a, a pretty big undertaking well like i think first of all like the way we the, the approach right now and the idea is that we, we work on the api so we can get the same amount of information out of the different runtimes mm-hmm. then maybe we can take the tools and shape them so they work with different runtimes at the same time but like if mozilla is doing a better dom tree than mm-hmm. than chrome mm-hmm. it should be a plugin for the same tool right. like it's right. just it's just install the the different dom explorer mm-hmm. or if you want to do script debugging maybe you as a developer you prefer doing script debugging inside your editor with vs code mm-hmm. or yeah. sublime so maybe you don't need the the, the scripts tab anymore because yeah. it's contextual to where you wrote the code right um maybe you write stuff in React or JSX version 10 in the future. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should have, instead of a DOM Explorer, a different kind of tool to visualize your component architecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I think the biggest problem right now with debugging tools is like the debugging tools is debugging what the runtime understands. So, mm-hmm. like, the compiled output. But we as VIP developers, at least a lot of VIP developers, has moved to different authoring abstractions, mm-hmm. and the tools doesn't reflect that. Well, we see that with uh, source mapping yeah. for compressed JavaScript and CSS, and even uh, uh, SAS. You can view the actual SAS version of the CSS, or you can view the uncompiled JavaScript independent of what the browser is actually rendering. Yeah. So you can see, oh, there's a bug in, on, like, in, in the past, you'd like have a bug in jQuery or something. You'd click to see where it was, and it was just a big one line. Totally, And it's just yeah. like, where is this? And then not only that, but it's obfuscated in a certain way. So the variables are called like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. But now you can actually see if you include a, a ver- different version of jQuery or you include a source map for the minified version, you can actually open up exactly what line, exactly what variable, and exactly what function your error occurred in. And you can trace back and forth, and you can actually... It's a lot easier and nicer now. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's much better than, like, source, map, source mapping is one of, like, the core primitives that we still need to expand upon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Source maps are still quite simple in terms of what they support. In, in a world, for example, if you think out in the future where maybe VIP assembly will take off, mm-hmm. so you can compile mm-hmm. your Unity game written in... <laughs> Yeah, whatever language mm-hmm. you have a, a like, a, you know, the compiler g- generates VASM code that runs on 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 WebAssembly in the mm-hmm. engine, and maybe mm-hmm. it outputs via WebGL. Like, in that kind of sense, we need a lot of improvements to source map yeah. to really track that to the original source. But also, yeah. like, from an experience point of view, I don't imagine us trying to tell game developers that they can sit all over here in Unity 3D Studio, build the game, mm-hmm. and but then when they need to debug it, they need to open this tool. At the bottom of the screen, yeah. go right. to the script tab and see different kind of thing. Like yeah. kind of what I would expect us to do is mm-hmm. to bring that environment they're writing the games in to be able to connect that to the to the browser mm-hmm. to the runtime where it runs in. Right. And the future, like if you think it, if it's progressive or whatever we call it these days, then mm-hmm. if it's running inside Electron, if it's running inside Edge, or, or it's running inside your on your Hololens, yeah. it's just a runtime. It mm-hmm. sounds like it's yeah. more of an approach of like an IDE, really. 
like it's completely integrated in the most literal sense from the different browsers that you need mm -hmm. to output to as well as the, the actual code that you're writing so you can have this thing where you don't have to keep like leaving and going to different tools and jumping around and around we all know how much like tool fatigue there is mm -hmm. as far as jumping from tool to tool or trying to figure out where an error is and it's like you're already in trouble when you're finding an error <laughs> and to throw a bunch of tools in the mix it makes it just even worse but that sounds really interesting is like opening that up so um maybe you can talk about how microsoft sort of switched to that more open style because you could sort of hinted at the beginning of the new microsoft which has open source stuff they have cross-platform stuff they support a bunch of community things maybe you talk a little bit about that yeah like i i joined microsoft in january so i'm still a relatively new new person joining sure. joining the, the tribe but one of the things that made me join microsoft is basically if i look at my my daily daily work i'm sitting on a mac with my iphone mm -hmm. running uh, os x sure uh, my team is doing debuggers for vs code as our cross pad editor targeting chrome mm -hmm. yeah. in addition to what we do with edge because edge is our own browser that's where we can innovate but kind of the new microsoft i'm seeing and i'm experiencing is that we are a cross pad company mm -hmm. That's, we just acquired like Samarin to do cross-plat mobile development mm, in the right. native world. But also, if you look at like what Microsoft has been doing previously uh, in the VIP space, it mm. has been Cordova, it has been PhoneGap, kind mm. of cross-plat approaches to to make great developer tools. Right. And I see like VS Code as as an interesting so a product we now have because it's running on Mac, Unix, whatever. It's running on all the different platforms. It's open source. It's it's actually getting significant traction in the community. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that if I if I look at the different extensions, the Go extension for, for VS Code is one of the most popular ones. Mm -hmm. And when Chrome is, is demoing Go, they use VS Code with a Go debugger because, oh, wow. because they have like an integrated uh, debugging experience. Because we can take some of the knowledge that that Microsoft has spoiled like uh, developers in general with like doing Visual Studio integrated experiences. We can take some of that mm -hmm. and, and bring that to the rest of the community because... Mm -hmm. I think if you look at like tooling for Node or Ruby or just the web in general, like mm -hmm. it's actually the tooling is not that great. Right. We still do like console logging. Uh -huh. yeah. you, you sit in your con command thing and do, do debugging. Like mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of luxury like the Java and .NET community has had for so many years because it's been a proprietary platform, et cetera, mm -hmm. that we can take and bring to, to, to the open web. And mm -hmm. that's basically why I joined the company. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that does sound quite interesting. Um, I wanted to go back a yeah. little bit to the uh, the idea of like a, a unified uh, dev tools. Um, so, is there uh, I don't know is there any resistance for that? Is there any sort of thought that you know browsers are different, so the tools are different or should be different? Yeah, like like I think if you look like historically, dev tools has been used as an instrument to move browser shares. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at like, at least my stories, I yeah. started doing like web development in in IE. Mm -hmm. Then like, I remember when IE6 came around, like it was actually a great tool that had web developer toolbar. Yeah. It was uh -huh. awesome. Then I switched to Firefox because mm -hmm. it was Firebug. Right. Then, then Firebug started like getting a lot of features, but then mm -hmm. like, Chrome came around mm -hmm. and like they were they were based off like the Safari dev tools back then, Safari Web Inspector. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like they were kind of okay, but then Google started investing in the tools. So yeah. I eventually switched to, to Chrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, then then I didn't really look back from there. Right. So I think like historically DevTools is used to move the browser, at least the the, the developer market share. Mm -hmm. But but I think the resistance that is right now is like if we go for like a more unified dev tool, how do we still ensure that each vendor can innovate? Mm -hmm. Which is a, a valid question. Right. Um, but I just think we have hit a certain point in time where if you look at all 
what the tools each vendor is providing mm-hmm. is commodity features. Mm-hmm. They all look kind of the same. Mm-hmm. It's mainly about UI tweaks. And if you look at like what Chrome or what we've been doing with Edge, it's mainly mainly been like UI refinements. There mm-hmm. hasn't been any like break breakthrough features the past five years, I would say. It's mainly right. like making the, the workflow a bit better. Um, so I, I think we could do a standalone thing as a community thing mm-hmm. that is modular that would enable innovation. And also like on the API level, if, yeah. for example, at, uh, at Microsoft, we, we've done a feature called time travel debugging mm-hmm. that enables you when you can, you can also step back in time. Mm-hmm. So we persist all states. So when you, we, you do step debugging, you also go back. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. it's, it's like, That's really cool. That is kind of like yeah. no one else has done that. Yeah. Right. So how would we implement such a feature over if we had a centralized API? Mm-hmm. We would need to figure that out. Like, do we do a bit window prefixing or do we have like a specific namespace called edge or whatever? Oh. What? No, but like, like, like that's, that's challenges we need yeah, to do sure. because exactly. it's just API design. Right. Yeah. But I think, but I think we have solved that with other APIs before. So mm-hmm. we can sure do, do the same for, for our remote debugging right, interfaces. Right. And I think that could be an in- interesting position if, for example, VS Code, if I can plug that into whatever it, runtime that supports this API, then then mm-hmm. we have a quite an in, in, interesting position because from an end user perspective, yeah. then we don't force developers into yet another tool mm-hmm. just because it only supports like this limited set of API requests. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so like there's resistance like that a common API will mm-hmm. hinder agility. Right. But I think we can solve that because we have solved that other places. Mm-hmm. And a common dev tool. I still think each vendor wants to ship their own tool to do their branding and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think there's room for the community to build something uh, mm-hmm. that could be really interesting. Or maybe even one vendor is saying, this is this is our thing. This yeah. is our, our value prop in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Microsoft side, we, we still haven't found that out. Like We're still mm-hmm. experimenting. That's why we're shipping experiments like on a monthly basis to figure out how yeah. can we improve things. That sounds like a pretty interesting uh, interesting idea. Why don't you tell us now a little more about uh, your day-to-day life uh, at Microsoft and your team, what you're working on, uh, what sort of languages you're using? And... Sure. So, yeah, I, I work at Microsoft as a program manager and like mm-hmm. i think the obvious question is like what is a what the heck is a is, right. a, is a program manager right. <laughs> <laughs> um so at microsoft it's a bit it's a special role so mm-hmm. if you know uh, a product manager that's mm-hmm. managing the product mm-hmm. i'm a product manager and also a marketing manager okay. so that means because i do developer tooling and my audience is developers mm-hmm. i'm out in the community talking to the developers i'm giving presentations i've just been in scandinavia speaking at two conferences mm-hmm. basically talking because i own strategy and also own marketing of course i have like a fantastic like a DevRel team dx i have christian heileman and ray Banco and all, all the other folks that it's their job to speak at conferences mm-hmm. but it's my responsibility because i own the product and the marketing mm-hmm. to figure out what do we need to build but also how do we need to talk about it and how can we make it relevant for the developers so my daily li- daily life is because i have the manager title mm-hmm. i'm basically doing a lot of emails and a lot sure. of meetings <laughs> um, sure. so i'm like my my, my daily day is like uh, Stand-ups with my engineering team, mm-hmm. um, planning in terms of like new features, figuring out what we can do. Yeah. As of last week, I was busy doing uh, compatibility tables on remote debugging, <laughs> which wasn't the most exciting thing in the world, but yeah. sitting and mapping out API differences to try to get an overview of what's possible and what's not sure. possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the thing, writing a few specs, opening up issues on GitHub, mm-hmm. uh, grooming the, the bugs that are coming, etc. So it uh, seems like some of these evangelists like uh, Christian and some of the other people mentioned, they, they would be, you'd be in charge of maybe facilitating the things that they need, these evangelists at Microsoft. And yeah, so, so I'm, I'm basically 
you're building building the, the different products so i'm building one specific product mm-hmm. uh, and like uh, ray and christian is responsible for 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 making sure that we are relevant in the community mm-hmm. that we are going the right direction so that's why like we we, we, we we're talking together on a weekly basis because mm-hmm. i want to know because i'm only out like now and then speaking at conference but they're always out there mm-hmm. so basically just they are the channel to the my channel to the community mm-hmm when i'm not like doing meetups and other things uh-huh. right um so it's basically the, this combination of like the pms you have the engineers and then you have like uh, the dx so mm-hmm. that's basically the the, the golden triangle mm-hmm. cool nice um so what about uh the the tooling and things like that you mentioned you yourself uh, are using a mac you have uh, an iphone um what are some of the other sort of uh setups that people might have and so so if you look at like what what, what my team my team is like the javascript diagnostics team which is oh, a nice. really <laughs> bad name but uh, <laughs> but like my, my, my team is mainly doing doing products in uh, javascript and typescript these days mm-hmm. so the the f12 tools that we be ship or the dev tools we ship in edge is just ty- typescript and css mm-hmm. um If you look at like what we ship VS Code, uh, our Chrome debuggers, Edge debuggers, those kind of things, mm-hmm. TypeScript uh, and JavaScript is is as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at the stack, um, if you're on, on on a Windows machine, is it basically up to you? Like if you use like VS Visual mm-hmm. Studio, you use like Visual Studio Code or whatever you use. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal stack is like OS X. Uh, I have my command line tools. I use VS Code. Mm-hmm. I use Chrome as my browser. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm on a Mac, mm-hmm. um, because all the tools or part of the tools I do is targeting Chrome. Right. So, so like it's it's a quite generic stack. Like in your other, I think the main difference is like if you work at Microsoft, we use a lot of TypeScript mm-hmm. because there's like that the gradual typing will give you a better product, especially when we have a large code base. Mm-hmm. And I think we've seen the value of that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like especially yeah. like a big code base like the DevTools we ship in Edge. Yeah, like yeah. that's a massive code base. So that's why we need to have like a type system check. Is, Isn't uh, Angular yeah. 2 using TypeScript as well? Yeah, I think they Angular has moved to TypeScript and like at least if you look at like Hacker News these days, there's a lot mm-hmm. of projects moving to uh, so to Hacker News. I even think Ember is considering using TypeScript. Don't don't quote me on that. But but, <laughs> yeah. but but I think like Tom Dale is like at least mm-hmm. when I look at we, we, his tweets, like it's like mm-hmm. he seems to be happy about TypeScript. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think TypeScript makes sense because it's basically building linting and mm-hmm. like we all yeah. like and then you have gradual typing. You can do the type specifically for your objects if you want to do them. Mm-hmm. But also like it's just sanity checking of your code, and it yeah. looks like years 2016. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same language. There's a few things because you can add the types, but As a as a web developer, I anyway want to lend my code and make sure that I don't have it made, made yeah. any, any stupid mistakes. So mm-hmm. it does that much, not that much of a difference anymore. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I recently found the uh, the IE eleven Vagrant machines that you can download the uh, the virtual machines, and I I was really happy with the experience. And it was really simple to get it installed. There's all the instructions there on the Microsoft page. It seems like Microsoft's really uh, sort of taken. Uh, it seems like a weird like 180 before you might think that Microsoft didn't share a lot of things, but now they're just facilitating all that stuff as well as trying to push forward as in getting, okay, automatic updates are enabled by default. Yeah, these type of tools are available on our website, very easy to find. 
Uh, you don't have to like go to some obscure site and download a bunch <laughs> of different tools and get them installed. I know that running OS, running IE11 uh, or IE in general on a Mac was like a huge burden a while ago. But now they have these special images. I just double clicked it, opened up uh, VirtualBox or whatever, and it just it just ran. It just booted. It was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like I like I, I remember like the good old days where I had to like buy parallels of VMware image yeah. and like and up with like a Windows image that expired and it was like mm. a, a terrible experience. <laughs> so I think like I think we have started doing the right thing and have providing a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, like, IE is dead, but IE is still relevant. IE still has, like, 12% of the overall global market share because mm-hmm. there's people stuck on, on a, like, uh, pirated version of uh, Windows XP somewhere, <laughs> right? Um, which, which, which is okay. Um, but, but, like, I think, like, from a mindset perspective, we are left mm-hmm. IE behind. If you look right. at Edge, like, yeah. we're actually doing things much better. And, mm-hmm. like, I kind of say we do things in a Mozilla kind of way because... We have an open open platform tracker on on, on GitHub where mm-hmm. people can open pull requests or, yeah. or open issues. Right. I think like, the problem child of the web, of the web uh, browsers now is Safari. Safari is so far behind and so many things. Even iOS Safari, it's like I'm, I'm I test things on my Android phone. It's great. Test things in in Edge and it looks great. And then I go to Safari and oh, this thing isn't isn't supported. Oh, uh, iOS Safari has this bug or you can't use this feature. Yeah, like I think. I think there's this tendency to call like uh, 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 Safari is a new IE. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think, but I think that's a bit too easy. I think the fundamental problem right now we have for the web is the lack of browser choice in iOS. Mm-hmm. Like if Apple opened up to allow Chrome to ship real Chrome because Chrome on iOS is not real Chrome. Yeah, it's framed. Yeah, or something, it's, yeah. it's basically just a frame that's using the, the view that is using WebKit be, mm-hmm. inside. I think that's the real problem because iOS right now is the only operating system that doesn't allow a browser choice. Mm-hmm. Like on Windows, you can install whatever browser you want. On OS X, you can do the same. On Android, you can do the same. But mm-hmm. iOS is, is locked. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 is what's holding the web back because that's all, all the primitives in place in iOS that you can open a different browser or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But right now, they don't allow a different engine to be shipped. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Apple is having a certain set of priorities that they're investing more into the native e- app ecosystem. But if you look at iOS 10 that just came out, or they just announced... Safari is actually pretty good. They fixed oh, like yeah? they fixed a lot of like the index DB performance issues and the wrong implementation. Okay. They still don't have like WebRTC as the only platform out there. Yeah. But I think what I would like to see in general is is like more competition on the iOS platform. And I think, yeah. but but like it, it's it's a product strategy from Apple because in in a world where the web is going progressive, that where the web is is able to escape the the browser Chrome, you can mm-hmm. install stuff to the home screen. Yeah. Like. If you could install Chrome or Edge in the future on your on your iPhone, and you can click a link, and suddenly your your Netflix app would be on your home screen, mm-hmm. then you bypass the whole business model of Apple. Yeah, yeah, so, I've heard so, that too. That so, yeah, so, so 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 I think like it's a conscious strategy that they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're doing, and like kind of blame blame them because they have a really good business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from a VIP perspective, and as a strong believer in the open web, I think that's the biggest problem we have with with web right now because right. there's a big chunk of users still using Apple products. It's yeah. interesting the way that we see I think um the same sort of the same sort of uh business model getting in the way I guess of uh choice of the people in a, in a way. Um and we see this kind of recurring. I think if I remember correctly uh maybe OS 9 had a, a internet explorer native for for Mac. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. I, I remember I, if it was ever I, I can't in, actually. So the <laughs> yeah. IE app. I remember my yeah. friend had it. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and up until not too long ago, um, there was Safari for Windows as well. 
And now these things don't seem to exist. I guess there's probably no plans for uh, Edge on Mac or Linux. I heard something, but I don't well, think Well, we, we have open sourced uh, Chakra, our JavaScript engine, mm-hmm. and I think there was a PR on making that work on, on Unix. Oh, interesting. Um, but right now, like, at least I cannot speak on behalf of the Edge team because that's not my team. Yeah. Um, but right now, the focus is to do make Edge a great browser. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why, like, I think yesterday we announced that we're doing all the diff- all related specs for, for doing progressive web apps, so service workers, app manifest, all those features that we're adding in Fetch. Mm-hmm. Um, and once we have a great browser, maybe we, we will bring it to other platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think no one has said, has said absolutely not for that. I just think in terms of priorities, mm-hmm. like we want to build the great greatest possible browser that we can do on Windows first, mm-hmm. and then there, from there, maybe add it to other platforms down the road. But I definitely think the the point of why we're doing Edge is like we want to build a great browser. We mm-hmm. want to make a great, so to say, a different implementation than Chrome because we also think it's important for the web that we have a different implementation than just what Google is doing. Right. So yeah, I think it's um that's interesting because I see that with things like um Office or Skype. Like it started in as a very you know centralized piece of software that was installed on your computer and then it started growing and growing and growing. Now you get it all over the place for all the platforms. And it's it's awesome when someone calls you and you can see that history and everything. We saw the demo of the uh, of the Surface Hub, mm-hmm. um, where if you called someone, it would ring on all their devices as long as they're part of the Surface ecosystem, which is really sweet. Uh, seeing all that stuff, so it sounds like that's that could be in the works as far as like bringing these tools as they mature to different platforms. If that's it's a possibility. Yeah, like it's it's definitely a possibility that we will take Edge and bring it to other platforms. Not saying that we do it. Yeah. Um, but like from a tooling perspective. It's also a possibility that we might bring the tools we provide today to other platforms. Yeah. We already started doing that with VS Code, our editor. Mm-hmm. Maybe that will happen with Diagnostics too. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't figured that out yet, honestly. Cool. So yeah. yeah, another thing, um, you mentioned the ch- Chakra, right? Is the yeah, is Chakra Core. So um, I did notice that there's a sort of a Node-esque project, right? That Because uh, Node is notoriously V8. Uh, it comes with all the V8 fun and, and fun and terrible things about V8, but uh, there's the, so Chakra is going to, it has a version or of Node yeah, sort so, of? Yeah, so uh, like actually quite a few months back, uh, we opened up a pull request for Node mm-hmm. with, that would make Node, uh, so to say, a more engine diagno- agnostic, so we could swap out the engine with Chakra, so when Node yeah. runs on an IoT device with Windows, it could use Chakra because it's more energy efficient, mm-hmm. or you could use Chakra if you wanted to. Basically, just enabling Node to be a bit less coupled with the with V8, and honestly, I don't know what the state of that PR is. But mm-hmm. if you look at like what Michael Michael Rogers, yeah, uh, that's leading the Node Foundation, the Node community seems to be wanting to make Node a runtime that can run with different engines. Yeah, so that that's definitely a part of the mindset. And as of like last week, like Chrome, the Chrome V8 team has contributed. The Chrome remote debugging protocol, the Chrome debugging protocol to be uh, to be eight, mm-hmm. which is now being absorbed by Node. So you can do like in the future, you can connect Chrome Dev Tools to Node. Yeah, I've seen but, some projects that yeah, actually do but, that already. But, but yeah, yeah there's Node Inspector, which is a community yeah. thing. Now it's directly in, into V8, which means for them, we can take our our Chrome debugger we wrote for Chrome and yeah. now can debug Node because it's, it's the same protocol. Yeah. But like, I think we're seeing like a trend in the Node community that 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 they want to be more platform agnostic and also like engine agnostic mm-hmm. uh, because Node is growing. Node mm-hmm. is, is powering a lot. It's like Node is powering 
NASA's uh, NASA's uh, new space suits, right? So, oh wow, oh, really? that's cool. Yeah. Did you hear about um, uh, Joyent getting acquired by Samsung? Yes, I saw that announcement. That was uh, that was quite interesting. Yeah. 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 What do you think of that? I, honestly, I haven't haven't really made up my mind on that, but it's, mm-hmm. it makes sense if you look at Samsung is being more and more relevant in terms mm-hmm. of devices they ship. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense that they have some sort of back-end service mm-hmm. layer provider thing. Yeah. Samsung has their own browser now, mm-hmm. Samsung Internet Browser, that is actually having like roughly 5% of the market. Mm-hmm. Wow. So That's it's cool. it growing. It's, made, it's, it's yeah. based on Chromium. They have service workers. They have all a lot of fancy things, but no one knows about. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. how, how big is um, actually the Korean market in terms of browser usage? The, the, the Korean you know, market? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know specifically what... What like in terms of traffic, mm-hmm. uh, but I think if you look at overall, then we are starting to see a new breed of browsers gaining significant market shares, mm-hmm. like UC browser, mm-hmm. Alibaba's WebKit fork mm-hmm. is massive in China, but overall because the Chinese population is so big, it's twenty percent of the market share. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah, that's amazing. And it's yeah. like now we sit here in Vancouver, Canada. I'm not so sure that many web developers here is testing their website how it renders in UC. Right, but. Yeah. But in the new sort of say environment where there's so many people going online, then mm-hmm. UC is actually relevant. Is UC is bigger than iOS? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty crazy. Not even <laughs> oh, hearing about these me. things and then saying, yeah, this thing's gigantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you should think about it if you have a product that maybe is going to be seen in China. Well, it's kind of, it, it's quite interesting because I think over the past, um, well, we've consi- I think consistently gotten closer and closer to each other, and information sharing has mm. been uh, much better. But over the past two decades, I think. Um, the rate at which we've been coming together and being able to share information has just become so accelerated that it's shocking to say, you know, like we we still have um, this separation where, wow, 20% of the, of the market is something that I'd never heard of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like one of the things recently mm-hmm. I've started looking into is a lot of what is happening in the emerging markets, mm-hmm. especially in a world where everyone right now is talking about progressive web apps, PBAs, PBAs yeah. is, is yeah. a new thing. Is PBAs is a new Ajax term, anyways. But, uh, yeah. um, but I guess it's interesting to see also Google is doing a big push on PBAs in emerging markets. You mm-hmm. see India with Flipkart. Yeah. That's because. In the emerging markets, data is still really expensive, mm-hmm. and and installing like a hundred twenty megabyte app update is costing you two months' salary, right? Yeah, <laughs> Th- that's the adventure that, that we have we have with the web, and also like what we're going to push for on the Windows side, mm-hmm. what we can do with PVAs. But in terms of market browser shares, like it's really interesting to see like. You see browsers, Samsung Internet Browser, you see mm-hmm. Brave coming around, you see Opera Mini, which is massive in the emerging markets. Like those browsers are different than what we tend to think about in the mm-hmm. Western world. And especially, especially because I'm doing tooling, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, the question I'm asking myself, like, hmm, maybe there's an opportunity for us to be relevant for those kind of browsers. Mm-hmm. Be, be, and that's, that's basically goes along with the whole remote debugging protocol, maybe standalone div tool kind of thing. It's like, if there's a, a new browser every six months that is beaming up because a new market is going online, mm-hmm. like would you still expect it to install like UC Div tools to target sure. that? Yeah, I don't know. That'd be um, painful. That, 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 that's at least a question I'm asking myself. Right. Um, and I think from a testing perspective, when the web is progressive, maybe running outside of the browser, but it's you can imagine that in the future that it runs on your Android phone is uh-huh. you have docked it to the home screen, but it's powered by UC in the background. Uh-huh. But you as a developer, you still need to debug that, right? Yeah. Right. So 
especially if you sit in Canada and, and, and like your company is saying, yeah, we're going to the Chinese market and here you cannot download UC browser because it's blocked in the app store or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something we need to do on like availability of devices or browsers in, in the future mm-hmm. because the amount of browsers we need to target uh, is going to explode. I think that's a good point. I mean, like I didn't even think about it. Like what if we have a, like if, even a product that's maybe opening in Brazil. Like I don't, I don't speak Portuguese. Like how am I going to debug a browser that I can't even speak the language? Yeah, like, or maybe you cannot even install it, right? Yeah, like that's that's actually something I didn't even consider. I mean, I don't speak Chinese, I don't speak Korean. These are gigantic markets that are coming, you know, that are slowly, you know, we're 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 talking to each other over the web all the time. But like, I have no idea how to debug their their tools, not just because of the technical hurdle of getting the tool, but also the technical hurdle of understanding even how to use it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, one thing is like if you download a PDF for UC browser, you get a PDF in Chinese. Yeah, it's like, and this is this is the instructions <laughs> that you should do to. And get a dev tool working, mm-hmm. which is kind of hmm, okay, yeah. and that's twenty percent of the market, right? Yeah. Um. So I, I definitely think there's stuff to be done in that area, but also just availability of devices. Mm-hmm. Like in India, when you go online for the first time, and that's like roughly what quarter of a billion people going online every year for the very first time, which mm-hmm. is stunning numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you go online on a very different device than than what you buy here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's like a thirty dollar Android phone. But you cannot buy that $30 Android phone here. So yeah. that's also the availability problem of the mm-hmm. devices. If you're sitting here in the rich Western world, or also the other way around. If you sit in Indonesia and need to enter the, U- the U.S. market, mm-hmm. maybe you cannot afford buying an iPhone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's something we need to do there. Maybe like virtualized or whatever mm-hmm. emulated devices to, to, to make that happen. Right. And then there's also the other side of the market. I think like somewhere like Korea where people would get you know a new $900 phone every year. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Have, I think they have one of the highest, uh, actually, internet penetration rates in the world. Interesting. I was uh, last year. I was like in an East Timor. Uh-huh. That's like if you look at like this this yearly list from like World Economic Forum, I think mm-hmm. of like the least connected countries. Uh-huh. It's mm-hmm. like out of hundred and eighty countries, this was like hundred and seventy six. Wow. <laughs> it was like there was no internet. Mm-hmm. Like. There was no outbound link of, of the, that country, right? Because like the way that like, the way we're located in the world, but also because of how, how the satellites are passing, mm-hmm. so it was not possible wow. to get a connection. That was quite interesting. Yeah, and and like I, I think my point being like there's so many people not online mm-hmm. that it's like still half of the world's population that's not online yet. Yeah, I, what is, yeah, I, I mean the last time I heard it was uh, yeah. you know I think a greater deal than half because most of most people aren't online yeah don't have access to that which which is also like a massive opportunity for us because mm-hmm. they're rebuilding for the web and right. web might not be the best platform in terms of delivering an application like experience today but it is the platform that reaches the most people right i believe you were speaking about uh james internet.org um which is yeah a, a project. Yeah, yeah um facebook has that thing like they call it the next billion or mm. whatever or even uh, i mean google i think calls it that as well the people call it the next billion places like uh, rural India or um, rural Korea, even if there's mm-hmm. if the penetration isn't 100 percent, there's people there that you can get online that can buy your products. I can see your ads. There's all this this stuff around that. And how do we get Internet to them? Uh, even bypassing the traditional you start with a phone line, then you have like high speed mm. in the ground, then you have fiber over this, yeah, yeah, yeah. then you have cell towers, then you have this. They're going from no internet to, you know, uh, <laughs> a balloon in the cloud that sends you Wi-Fi like to the ground, which is this weird step. Of, of missing this entire revolution of landlines to, to cell towers to everything, going from nothing to 
everyone has internet all of a sudden because mm. there's a balloon in the sky that powers internet or sends internet down. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting. Like, as I said before, like, I think it's really interesting for us because we are actually building for a platform that is so available, mm-hmm. regardless if it's through a proxy browser like Opera Mini mm-hmm. or if it's uh, through, like, Chrome or Edge or whatever. There's a fancy, like, yeah. modern browser. So, like, the web is so... So available, right. and the experience might not be the best in the world, but at uh-huh. least you can get information. Still, you can browse Wikipedia mm-hmm. or whatever uh, unblocked uh, news site you just did, right? Uh, I think that, that that's really interesting. Um, but but that said, like I think still like after spending a lot of time in Asia and also being here, like I still mm-hmm. think we have a mindset where we tend to forget how people use devices. Mm-hmm. Because you say like they don't have a phone line, they don't have an internet provider. That's just Wi-Fi. Yeah, um, and like. Their primary device is is an iPhone, or maybe in the future something else. So like they mm-hmm. don't have all the history of interacting with different kind of devices and going to oh now I'm using my cell phone. It's just a computer. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is a new fact form factor of computer. How do you build a UI for someone that's mm-hmm. never used a, f- a phone before? Like people have these like iOS has these design guidelines. Oh, a back button does this. Uh, a button should look like this. A list should work in this way. Like imagine designing a UI for someone that's never that's only ever used a flip phone. Yeah, like I actually think Bruce Lawson from Opera, mm-hmm. he's been doing some great talks on that, and also like I think he's been doing like some great treats of some usability testing he has been doing with at least with Opera tools, what it, with what Opera is doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. because Opera is uh, is really focused on the emerging markets. Yeah, and he has some really interesting like usability findings that he gave people a browser on the phone and have no clue how to use it because yeah. there's so much implied UX and yeah. in how you interact with the device. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, then. You give like a, a kid, like a, a two-year kid, like an iPad, and they started drawing, blah blah blah. At the same time, so that's it's sort of downloading yeah. games on the app yeah, store, yeah. charging the credit card. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's cool. Okay, so um, Kenneth, uh, thank you very much for being on the show. If somebody were interested in being a part of your team, um, are are you currently? Uh, is your team hiring? So specifically for 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 the for the DevTools team, we are not hiring, but mm-hmm. but in general, like. Because we are big, big company, Microsoft, uh-huh. we are always hiring, right? <laughs> um, so, so like if if you find it interesting, what what we're doing at Microsoft with the web, mm-hmm. what we're doing with the tooling, what we're doing on the on the platform side, then mm-hmm. reach out to 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 me or, or one of the, the the Microsoft folks. Like, there's quite a few of us. Yeah, uh, and then and then let's have a conversation. Like, I'm, so if someone wants to reach out to you, uh, Kenneth, what's a good way to reach out to you? So, like, if you want to ping me on Twitter, I'm I'm Orchenberg, my last name. You can figure out how to spell it. Like, <laughs> Somewhere. We'll link to it um, in the show notes. Uh, or you can reach out to, to my, my email, which is kenneth at orchenberg.dk. Nice. Uh, um, so yeah, easy uh, to spell. Yeah, yeah, easy to spell. Like I'm, I love this name. We only like thirty people in the world. Nice. nice. <laughs> cool. um, but but in general, like um, this is not a hiring pitch, but like we we, we are doing things a bit different than Microsoft, and mm-hmm. that's the reason why I, for, for why I joined the company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a really good sense there. Um, I really liked the. I don't know if you've been by it, but the uh, the garage. I think is yeah. there, there's like a makerspace. Yeah. So in our Vancouver office, we, we just uh, open up the we, the office is now open, mm-hmm. uh, but we also have like a, a makerspace we call the garage where we have like CNC machines, 3D printers, mm-hmm. laser cutter, laser yeah. cutters, all yeah, those things. Cool. Yeah. Stacy actually gave me a, a coaster and eat, drink, and Bill Murray. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. So so that's some of the things I haven't actually used it yet because uh-huh. the office hasn't been ready. Yeah. Right. And we're looking forward to see what we can do. Uh, to hack hardware together, we also yeah. get like soldering irons and, mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, so like a 
big box of raspberry pies. Cool. And that's yeah. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Seems like a really fun space there. Um, okay. So if other if people want to see you at meetups or anything like that, are there any that you regularly attend? Uh, I've been trying since I moved to uh, to Vancouver in January. I've been mm-hmm. trying to like attend a few uh, tech meetups, but every single time I end up on a waiting list, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. which is yeah. actually the reason for why I end up starting my own. <laughs> yeah, no more waiting um, lists for the organizer. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, so I'm trying to be around at like uh, the Vancouver JS meetups, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe we should do like another edition of, of, a, of a, the DevTool camp thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd yeah. definitely like to see it. It was a lot yeah. of fun. That's cool. Really cool. Yeah, like, um, and if you have any ideas on how we can do it, then uh, how we can improve or something, just let me know. Awesome. Sounds great. And thanks for being on the Vancouver Tech Podcast, Kenneth. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vancouver Tech Podcast. Check out our website, vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Much appreciated. You can follow us on Twitter, Van Tech Podcast. Feel free to leave some comments below. You can also hit us up on the YVR Dev, the Vancouver Tech, the Van Tech Slacks. I'm at James. And I'm at Drew. Special thanks to Same Room for hooking us up with an integration that allows us to have a cross-team Slack channel, Van Devs. Do you have a meetup that you want us to plug? Email us, show at vancouvertechpodcast.ca. Music by A Shell in the Pit from the game Parkitect. See you at one of the meetups around, around town. town.